Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everybody? Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 222, coming to you live. We're doing that. Two's across the board. 222, who did that shit? Was that Rick Ross? Yeah, he had a whole whole thing about 222s. I think that was in Hustlet, actually. Or 222s, Jay-Z. Yeah. Um, I went to I went to Rick Ross first. I don't know why. I don't but. know why you did that, but okay. <laughs> that, 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 that is fine. Uh, how are you doing, Brian? Dex every Brian Fonseca here. How y'all doing? Doing quite all right. Um, you know, just game one of the playoffs yesterday for uh the Heat uh, Sixers uh, and the and the uh, Mavs and the, the Suns, which I watched the whole thing of both of them. And uh, I'm a little tired because I didn't want to stay up that late. Mm-hmm. But you know, some 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 good games last night for the most part. There was there were some good games last night. I got to watch pretty much all of the second game, half of the first game. Um, but look, man, out in these streets, I tell people about out in these streets, out in these streets, man, you got to try to avoid these rats out here. Rats is oh, not playing right now. Sh- oh my god! <laughs> Dexter oh. has a rat story, and I'm, I'm Let, okay. So let's say let the people know this. I haven't heard this, so I can't let them know that anything. this for for people who know. Brian and I have talked about this body of work we worked on a while ago. La Cultura. The last day we filmed something for La Cultura. It's a true story. Last day we filmed something. After the Puerto to, Rican Day Parade. After the Puerto Rican Day Parade, mm-hmm. Brian we and I, at. We, we're at, we go back, we're going to go back to Brooklyn, we're going to go work on this thing, and we are at Grand Central. I think we we're at Grand Central, right? We're at Grand yeah. Central Station. Yeah. Brian and I are there, Child and we're, we're standing there, and there's a young lady standing near us, and this rat just comes on the platform at us. I jumped, it goes under me, goes past Brian. Crazy. Yeah, okay. Jumped over yeah. your foot. What'd you say? It jumped over your foot. No, yes. my oh, foot. One of over us. your foot. I jumped and it went under. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to some degree, you're like, that's some New York shit. Right? Like, yeah, it's some New York shit. Unfortunately. And on the subway platform, you kind of are not that crazy when you see this underground, but broad daylight, broad daylight. Yeah. Yo, these rats. We're still in the pandemic, but I think we're seeing some of the effects of the pandemic. Where I live in Brooklyn, in central Brooklyn, you don't really see rats. In fact, you don't, except I've seen a few recently because they're not near the water. There are no underground train stations. It's all elevated, so you don't really see rats. But about a couple weeks ago, I was walking past this place a couple blocks from my house. On the way to the train station, and one morning I was walking there, and there was a 
rat just laid out dead. He just laid out on his back, laid out, right? Thought nothing of it right near this garage. But the other day, I'm on my way to work early in the morning. It's about, you know, it's about 7.30, somewhere between 7.30 and 8, about to head into SNY. I'm walking past the same exact spot, same exact spot. And there's a garage next to a house there. And I'm looking at my phone because I was switching a song on a playlist. And I'm looking at my phone and I'm looking down, folks. And what do I see? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. My man, Jamal Murphy, is watching my LinkedIn. He said, they coming. Oh, they're coming. They're coming. Uh, man, Jamal Murphy watching. I'm looking down. I'm on the phone. And I see large brown thing just run out right in front of me, right in front of my feet. Stops. I freeze. Kind of jump up and back. When I land, it moves. And it hits the back of my shoe. No. No. my shoe. And no. You know, and here's what I can describe it as, folks. You, and, then, and then bounced off the shoe, ran under a car across the street. Do you know what it felt like? You ever, for people who play baseball, you ever play baseball and like you boot the ball and mm-hmm. it might have hit your foot? Or somebody rolled the ball to you and it hit the back of your foot? That's what it felt like when that rat bounced off of my shoe. Like, what? And I should also add, previous couple days right before that, I was sitting in my car. I was actually on the phone with our homie Gerard Hector, and I was moving my car to another spot. And there's another building across from me, and I saw in the little courtyard a rat just moseying along in the middle of the day. What's going on, New York City? What's going on? They, they out here in the middle of the day acting like they don't give a damn. It's my least favorite thing about New York City. And we need to get rid of all of them. <laughs> I'm <laughs> here need, for that. <laughs> we need to get we like we this is this is a more pressing matter than I don't know. Uh I don't want to say anything flavored because there are actually more pressing matters which we've you know learned about today. But look, it's the worst thing about New York City, a city that I love and never want to leave. I don't want to deal with this shit. I hate them. I want to assassinate all of them. <laughs> and I, I, this needs to stop happening. As a for, and I was especially triggered as a former second baseman, or growing up playing baseball. <laughs> you, knew the feeling. you knew exactly yeah, yeah. what I was talking about. Yeah, I played sec. I was <laughs> primarily a second baseman. I also played a little bit of shortstop and very little bit of outfield. I don't know why the fuck they put me in the outfield when I was seven years old. But hey, made the All Star game anyway. Um, look, no, no, I, I just don't miss that feeling of anything hitting my cleat. And I do not like, no, man, no, I just, this is, see, rats are the reason why when I move later this year, we'll get into that another time, don't want to go to Long Island City. I just don't anymore. Wanted to at some point, but nah, man. Yo, but here's the thing. Let let me, for people who do not understand what Brian is saying, Brian's talking specifically about uh, neighborhood of North Queens, and it's a lot of waterfront neighborhoods in New York City, whether it's Long Island City, whether it's Williamsburg, even um beautiful neighborhood in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights. You're going to see some rats yeah. when you're close to the water. Yeah. Uh, you're Yo, going to see. By, so we used to work at St. Francis, Brooklyn, yep. and Brooklyn Heights. Yep. And you would see some occasional, because, and we would get out late. 
often because yep. of work or whatever. And they be, they be out there at the Chipotle, across, like uh, one Yo, block away, the next block Street, over. Montague Street. You know why? Because there's fucking there's one there's a train station right there. Two there's trash on the street all the all the time, time. and it's and it's heavily in front of the Chipotle. And it's a heavily trafficked area. I remember one night I was walking with another former coworker when we worked there, and we were coming back from another spot, and we just we hit we hit on there, and our man Murph says they deep they're deep in Best Buy. Yeah, we seen them out in the sky sometimes, which is a little shocking because it's Central Brooklyn, but a lot of underground uh, train stations there. But I was coming back. Well, they be in they be in uh, uh, parts of Bushwick and even Ridgewood, unfortunately. So that yeah. surprised me. We were walking back and we hit this. We hit the corner, right off the court. Bam! Right onto Montague. Hit that corner. I swear, like six rats just ran out from a car. Six? Speak, no, 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 speak, no, no. Speaking, speaking of speaking of our man Murph, you remember last year when we was hanging out and we went to that. We went to the wine bar. And we were on the Upper East Side. Remember, we was walking home. We and Murphy, Murphy members, man, they were out there. They were out there, man. Like those. That's those why I don't know why Gerard had those thong sandals on. I don't understand that shit. Wait, what'd you say? I said that's why I don't understand why Gerard had them thong sandals on. Oh, you talk. I don't remember if it was that day or the time we went by the spot near Gerard's place. I either I don't remember what he was wearing. Whatever it was, was like, yo, if I know there's rats in the area, I'm not wearing flip. <laughs> you ain't seeing my feet. Fuck that. <laughs> All right, I don't even like I don't even like wearing sandals at the beach. I'm that dude, but whatever. It's another story for another day. Oh man, yo, the rat the rat problem is 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 whatever. You know what? And this is a good point, but yo, no, but Murph is right about this here. Here's why Murph is right. So the the buildings around my way, they all including my my building. Read the comment. Read the comment for the I, no no. These all tell all these dummies putting flowers and bushes in front of y'all to chill. You're just creating safe havens, and the shit ain't even pretty. Yeah. <laughs> This, remember the building I was telling you where I saw the rat just meandering along in the middle of the day? Yeah, they got it was all among the flowers and everything, and probably was burrowing up in there. Man, New York City rat, man, serious business. Serious, serious business. But that is my tale. I survived. Thankfully, the rat didn't run up my leg. Nothing like that happened. But they out here, man. They out here. They're not playing. They're not afraid. Middle of the day, they just coming out. They might be coming for you. Who knows? All right, mm-hmm. we'll, get, we'll get to some, some sports and hip-hop stuff here. Uh, NBA, second round started, start of the NBA uh, conference semis are underway. All these games have now uh, played at least one game. Brian talked to you about that. Last night, he saw his Miami Heat get a win, which <laughs> means that he came back and is in a good mood today because had they not, he would have been miserable. Uh, and the Suns get a win over the Dallas Mavericks. On Sunday, we saw the two road teams win. So the two home teams won last night, but Sunday the two road teams won. That with the Bucks beating the Celtics and the Warriors beating the Grizzlies. So really interesting um, stuff going on here. Should we start with your Heat? Uh, what, do you, what do you take? From heat. The, your Heat, yes. Yeah. All heat. right. Let's get let's get out the way. Let's, let's start, get it out the let's way. Start, let's start it first. Yeah, with your pink Miami shirt that you got on today. With you said you should be down to South Beach. Um, Vice jerseys were fire. I don't know why they stopped doing it. I don't there's know only why. so there's only so many different combinations you could do i guess but it is what it is yeah or you could just keep them as your alternate jersey forever that would be good some things are that good um what do you take away from this heat victory are you impressed not impressed uh slow first half and they turned things on in the second yeah a lot of heat fans you know freaking out after the second quarter and i was like look 
this is part of the thing with this team. Sometimes you just have a bad quarter. It happens. Teams have bad quarters. You know, Phoenix wasn't great all 48 minutes last night, and Dallas kept it a little bit closer, nearly covered uh, than people would have thought. Both teams cover, by the way. Should mention that. We talked about that, um, <clears throat> you know, during the NBA exchange. Both teams did cover, uh, the Heat and the uh, Suns. Yeah, the game was good. Uh, they played three very good quarters, the first, third, and fourth. Uh, third and fourth in particular. And this is kind of what we talked about yesterday on the exchange decks. It's like the, the idea that Philadelphia can just power on with a very small rotation and playing guys so many minutes and against the heat in particular, who tries to wear you down and usually does successfully, like it's just not going to work. And Joel Embiid being there obviously would change some things because he's an MVP mm-hmm. candidate. But at the same time, it's like Miami could game plan for him too. And it's not necessarily fixing your depth issue that much. You wouldn't see DeAndre Jordan. You would see Joel Embiid. That's a big plus. Don't get me wrong. But aside from that, it's like you're going to you, – they've been primarily leaning on four guys during the playoffs, the, those being Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and Tobias Harris. And now without having Joel Embiid, it's three. And mm-hmm. with having Joel Embiid, it's only four, which is the point. Danny Green is not really that reliable. Matisse Thybul hasn't been that great in the playoffs. Um, you know, you saw Korkmaz last night. You saw a lot of Paul Reed last night. And that's not really ideal for the Sixers in this series, I would say. No, not ideal for them at all whatsoever. At all whatsoever here. And here's the thing. I kind of I, – I didn't watch a lot of the first half, but I guess people kind of got gassed thinking, okay, they're hanging in there. But I think you really saw their offensive limitations and struggles. Um, in the third quarter, James Harden couldn't get it done. Uh, then they asked James Harden about P.J. Tucker's defense on him and the defense on him in general. And he hit he hit somebody. I think this was the first one of the playoffs. He hit it was the first next question of the playoffs. I believe it was the he first. Hit my boy, Mateo Mayorga from Five Reasons Sports with that, who was, who's been on the Bahama Rican boys before. Mateo asked him the question. James Harden hit him with the next question. And I told Mateo, you should be very honored for that. Uh, because you 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 pissed off James Harden, which is uh, you know that's that's good for the resume. You know what I mean? Uh, actually, <laughs> actually feels like it's probably not that hard to do. But yes, it is. It, it, it can be. It can be good for the resume. Uh, the second game last night was the Suns and the Mavericks. Yeah, uh, this game, you know, the Suns were in complete control throughout, but the Mavs did play uh, tough towards the end. Uh, almost had some people sweating with with their lines there. Uh, they made it close. Luka Doncic was. Really impressive. Didn't shoot the ball that well from three. Uh, but he I was, mean, yeah, but you know, but he was cooking. <laughs> he was cooking, right? Yeah, he he he, he was cooking. Um, helped me out on 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 some props I had there. So thank you, Luca. He was cooking. He's a problem, but somebody else is gonna have to step up. Brunson wasn't good last night. Dinwiddie was non-existent at all last night. Somebody else is gonna have to step up from them. But I did like how they defended towards the end of the game. I do think there's something to that. And can that carry over into game two? Uh, we, we will see what's going on. But Phoenix, you know, good performance defensively for them for the most part. Uh, a little bit sloppy towards the end. But uh, we'll see what they can do. Who are you? What, are you impressed with Dallas in any way coming out of this? Because I'm a little bit with how they fought. I don't know how that translates to game two B. But I, I, I did think they showed a lot of fight and, and toughness. They never gave up in that game. Yeah, and look, I it's just their starting lineup sometimes, like, Dwight Powell could sometimes be like a weak spot, and yesterday wasn't very impactful. Um, Reggie Bullock is somebody who I expected more from, and they 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 even played him more than I expected. 
which is interesting. He did have a big bucket late. Uh, Luka Doncic was incredible, but like you're going to need absolutely more than that. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, I didn't feel like was aggressive last night, which is uncharacteristic a little bit. It's just game one, and Phoenix is a very tough team. Like they were taking a lot of this stuff away to their credit. Uh, but without Maxi Kleber's five three pointers, it mm-hmm. it just felt like Dallas was not really in that game. Aside from like two, like really above uh, averages in terms of stats, in terms of what they average, literally, Luka Doncic and Maxi Kleber going crazy, like they're not even in that game. So there's some positives to take from that though, because Spencer Dinwiddie didn't get it going. Dorian Finney-Smith, I thought was pretty good too. We should mention him too, but Dor- um. Uh, Dwight Powell, Reggie Bullock, Spencer Dinwiddie didn't really get it going, and they still managed to keep it close. So I think there's positives to take away from that, but I would not want to lean on Luka Doncic so much and wear him down over the course of a playoff series against the Phoenix Suns, who can wear you down. And I've told you, like, high usage basketball in the playoffs doesn't usually translate if you're you know, the rest of your team isn't picking it up. So. Yeah, and that was one of my concerns looking at that. I still felt like as much as, you know, everybody knows I love Doncic. There was still too much high usage with him, too much dribbling, waiting for something to happen, not much else. Uh, so somebody else. And I think it could be Brunson. You saw Brunson get uh, going a yeah. little bit late. I think if Brunson's a little better, that'll help them. Dinwiddie, too, as you said, wasn't really aggressive. Um, Those are the main two for me. Yeah. We talked we we talked about this on the exchange yesterday. So we talked about the games on Sunday. So I won't go back into that. But tonight, both those teams play again. Uh, do you see any of the home teams here, the Celtics and the Grizzlies, getting wins? Because I've been thinking about this and how I might want to uh, do a little betting on this later today. I'm I'm not really sure, man. I, I'm also ah, I'm I'm starting to buy into the Bucks. Maybe I'm getting a little bit of hype off the first game, but uh. Yeah, what do you what do you think? Because I I don't I can see the I can see the Grizzlies winning tonight. I'm not sure about the Celtics. I don't know why. I'm not completely sure about the Celtics. Something's telling me to pause on that. Am I am I tripping on this or what? What do you think? I'm looking right now just to see what the lines are because I would I would feel more comfortable taking the home teams to cover than to outright win because and it's weird because I could. They should both win. I, I don't think either series should be 2-0 going back to the, the team that's ahead, going back to their home floor. But mm-hmm. it's tough because right now, and this is interesting, actually, because I'm looking at FanDuel, the Celtics are minus five favorites. And that, to me, is pretty shocking, given what we've just seen. And, like, I know the, the Celtics are very good, don't get me wrong, making adjustments and things like that. Like, that should be something that – but they're minus – 210 on the money line and just minus five favorites. Whereas the Warriors are actually favorites to win in Memphis again, minus two favorites. Um, and they didn't cover last time because it was a one point game. I actually could see the reverse where like Milwaukee wins again and that wouldn't shock me. And Golden State, uh, I mean, and, and uh, Memphis wins because I have a, I have a see, see, that's 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 where I'm leaning to, man. I'm kind of leaning towards that. I can see, yeah, that. I can in see terms, that. in terms of result, like now, I'm like, because I was thinking before this, I thought Milwaukee would be the favorites, but I guess you know, people just have enough respect for the Celtics to see that they're not going to go down, um, you know, 2 0 on their home floor. But if I'm getting the Bucks at plus five, I might have to take that. You know what I mean? Like if I'm That's getting the bucks, like sometimes you see this too. Like you saw this in in the in the Grizzlies series with the Timberwolves, totally different teams. But 
like you see this sometimes where the road team will take game one and then game two, like the home team just blows them out. It gets back on their BS, whatever. And then going back, it's one, one. And then, you know, the series plays out from there. I could see that happening, but man, the bucks at plus five, that's interesting. And also plus plus one seventy six on the money line. Like that's really something to think about because bucks being up two Oh, even without Chris Middleton, it's not crazy. Yeah, it's, it's not, not, it's not crazy. That, that, that's why I'm, that's why I'm going to have to really think about this one. That's a tough one. I think Memphis wins tonight though. Like I feel better about that. Mm. Like I, I I think they win tonight. I don't think it's easy, but I think they win tonight. I, I, I feel better. The, but the Bucks are making me think. I, I wouldn't shock me if the Bucks were up 2-0 after tonight. They wouldn't shock me at all. But it's gonna be interesting. If you did like a little, if you did like a little underdog parlay, right? If you like the way you're talking about it, if you did Bucks and Grizzlies, just straight money line, you can put down 10 and win about $50. That's where it's at right now. You know, like, <laughs> so if you see to to me, I like I. this is kind of more of a stay away. But like if I'm looking at because I just I just don't know. Right. I yeah. have more conviction about game one, which I did nail. I got both winners. But this one, I just, you know, I could see the home team just sort of getting back to where they should and the road team just sort of letting up. a little. Yeah, bit. I, it's it's, it's funny. I, it's 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 going to might be just tough. stick to player props tonight. But that but. But that's but I, I'm thinking that too. The Bucks and Grizzlies, though, if you put down t- even if you put down five, you're talking about twenty four dollars or so. But see, I might, I might, I might stick to player props and do a little underdog parlay. That way, you know what I'm saying? If you little, if you lose it, you're not really that mad. You took a little swing there. If you win, you're a little happy. Yeah. You know, maybe get some player props in there. Okay, con- but listen, these conference semis should be fun. I think all these matchups are fun. Um, Brian gave Brian gave you some of his picks. Uh, I think Miami wins this, as Brian, as Brian said, as he should in four. If, what do you say, four or five? Did you say four or five or five or six? I can't five remember. or six. He's a five or six. No, it's yeah. not going to be four. Like, yeah. Miami will fuck around, and, you know, Philly will. I mean, look, Philly still has top-end talent, right? Like, that that can win you a game. It's just over yeah, and I hope, series or something. That's tough. I hope Embiid comes back because, you know, you just want it to be more fun with Embiid. But I think Miami With Embiid take- healthy, I was saying Heat and six. Yeah, and I think, but I still think Miami takes advantage of these games without him, and they, like they did last night. I think they'll take care of business when they, when they need to, and they did. They started off slow, but they got the job done. And let's also remember, like they they have a big loss too. Like Kyle Lowry not being there is significant, and if you've watched the Heat this year, like you would think, you know, or if you haven't watched them this year, rather, you would think that hey, he only averaged like you know roughly thirteen and eight. That's not even like a a great Kyle Lowry season, no. But if you watch the team, like. The reason why their late game offense has looked good at times is because Kyle Lowry's out there. Without him is where it really gets like messy because I know. I just wonder how they're going to play this for game two. Um, Because I, I, I think they're playing it safe for Kyle Lowry, which I think is the right thing to do. I don't yeah. think they're going to rush him back. I wouldn't shock him if we don't see Kyle Lowry till the series switches to Philly. I think that's when you might see him. I wouldn't shock him if the, the Heat sat him out for game two to play it safe, which I think is the right move. I think if the Heat drop game two, you see him in game three. I think if it's 2-0, you just keep him out until you absolutely need to put him in there. Like if it's two, like if Philly were to win three and four at home, I think we may see Lowry in game five. I think that's how they're going to play it. Or that's roughly what's been said, at least, you know, from some of my teammates at Five Reason Sports. All right. We'll see. NBA second round should be really fun. Moving along, we're going to talk some hip hop. 
album that dropped, uh, I believe, the week before last, Pusha T's, it's almost dry. Uh, this was anticipated by a lot of people for quite some time, uh, coming off of Daytona, which a lot of people liked uh, a few years ago. Um, I did like that project, very tight, very short. Um, the anticipation behind this one, rather interesting because you had all the production on this being handled by Pharrell and Kanye, two of my favorite producers, uh, two top five producers on this. I'm intrigued to hear what Brian uh, has to say about this album. Because I've sat with this album for a while. I probably listened to it about four, five times through. Um, and I think it's so- I think it's solid. I think it's, it's really good. I'll give my review right off the top of the bat. I'll give this about a seven and a half out of ten. I think it's a really good project. Um, I think that when it comes to coke rap, the subject matter obviously can be pretty redundant and sometimes <laughs> can get stale. <laughs> the highlight, there are songs that I really like on this album. I don't think this is like a great album by any means, but I think it's it's good. It's good to very good. Um, there's some really strong highlights on this album that I like. And I will say this, I think the Pharrell production on this album grossly outshines the Kanye production. Um, some of the Pharrell production is fantastic. Sounds yeah. like classic Neptunes. Yep. Uh, whether it was Bam- Brambleton, Let the Smoker Shine, The Coop, a standout for me. Yep. Uh, Call My Bluff, arguably my favorite song on the album, in which Pusha T channels in old school Mace Flow. We can, go song, we can go song by song, because I was yeah. about to do that. We can, we can, we can pull that up. But yeah, for me, seven and a half out of ten is a good. Brian, you're a little bit lower on this album Slightly. than I am. I like huh? it. Don't get me wrong. Slightly lower, but like it to me, it's still one of the best albums that's come out this year so far. Now that's in part because like what are the great albums that have come out this year so far? Um, there haven't been many. This is a problem that we've seen the last couple of years where guys are just you know they just don't want to drop so early in the year, which I get. So we'll see how that sort of uh, manifests itself throughout the rest of the year, but. I have the track list in front of me is 12 songs. And which which is which I should also note is something I like about the album, if you know me. It is tight, especially for a Coke rap album, tight. Yes. And I, I enjoy it. It's a very nice quick listen. 12 songs, just a couple hairs under 36 minutes. So yep. right in the sweet spot in terms of album length and things like that. Gotcha. Um <laughs> we got a comment from Murph. <laughs> Yo, Murph. So, hey Murph. Uh, uh, Future's project is 22 songs. I'm not, I, I just can't. I did hear one song that I like. Hold on, who said since Murph came out, said that he's gonna check it out, and he did hear Future's mid project, which is what I expected it to be. I, to be honest, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to listen to that at all whatsoever. And I'm not listening in protest of that ridiculous, absolutely positively ridiculous GQ cover, which oh. said that Future was the best rapper alive. Say who. Said who? Elliot who Wilson. said this? Yeah, he's the best rapper from his own city of Atlanta. Yeah, it's not true. that. Maybe not even his own block, because I'm sure there's like another really good Atlanta rapper from down there. Like but- I, ain't, I, I ain't trying to hit a future. I, I'm not even get that mad because like it's GQ. Like GQ did this. Like yeah. nobody. We're not going to GQ as the authority on hip hop. So right. I don't even know who we're going to for the authority on hip hop these days. Maybe you can come here, but ain't hard to tell podcast. Right. <laughs> so we have Bra- Brambleton first song. This one right off the bat. I was like, Oh, okay. Yep. Like this, this, this is fire. 
You know what I mean? Uh, and this is one of the beats that I really like that Pharrell produced on the album. Brambleton, great start. And you know I'm all about great intros, especially as somebody who's a Nas fan and Nas doesn't miss in his intros. Let the Smoker Shine the Coops. You already said, uh, mentioned that song. No, that, and, that, and, that, and that song is very ooh, good. Yes. Ooh, if, you play, if you play that in your whip, yes. you got it. Absol- absolutely. Uh, very, very strong start. And then this is where it tailed off a little bit for me. Dreaming of the Past with Kanye West. You know, it's all so, right. So, I ain't going back to it. So my, I, so I have a thing about the song. I, I generally like the sample. I like the Donny Hathaway sample there. I like mm-hmm. what's what's done. And in, at first, when I listened to it, the sample seemed too loud for me. Um, it like almost like it wasn't mixed properly. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. kind of annoys me too. It kind of annoyed me. It's grown on me a little bit. My other issue is Kanye then comes in for a verse, which is completely forgettable. We did not need that. Uh, yeah. so. Yeah, it's a, that's a weird song for me because I kind of like it, but there's things about it I don't. But go ahead. And f- for me, it was also that, and just like I, you mentioned this too, but the beat itself, I also didn't really love the execution of it. But maybe that's just a nitpicky thing. Uh, neck mm-hmm. and wrist with Jay Z and Pharrell. I'm probably not going back to this a ton, but I do like the song. You know? No, I like that. I like that song. I like, I like that, that song. song. I don't know how much I'm going back to it, but I do like the song. Uh, yeah. Just so you remember, is I think a very good beat underrated um because i slept on it a little bit the first few times i heard it and then i went back and and to also i also listened to this straight through about four times or so or maybe three and then went back and listened to the songs that i actually liked uh diet coke was a single that came out a while ago 88 keys apparently this beat was made in like 2004 um as 88 keys i think revealed (laughs) i uh like, I didn't realize that. And then when you hear it, it's like, oh, okay, it sounds kind of NBA Live 04 dilated people's ish. So I could hear that. Um, <laughs> but, I like, but I like it, though. <laughs> yeah, no, in, in a good way. Uh, rock and Roll with Kanye West and Kid Cudi. This is um, the one where Kanye has the very emotional verse that people were talking about at the end that I didn't care for. So there's I, that. I, I do not care for this song at all. <clears throat> no. I mean, this, is, this is like an auto skip for me. Like, I, I know I know people are like, yo, like, Kanye, he bared his whole soul, talked about Kim. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Track eight, uh, Call My Bluff. <laughs> Call My Bluff is the one that you really like. I love it. It's probably um, my favorite song on the album. Call My Bluff is very good. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this song. I like Don Tolliver's hooks, and I thought Uzi was fine, but I'm probably not going back to scrape it off very much. This is track nine. I actually, I actually like this song. I don't love it, but I like it. I, I can see you're not going back to it a lot, but I liked it. Um, I like I do like Don Tolliver's hook on the song. My problem like. in general with like the music we've been getting, this is not specific to this album. Okay, I've, I've already said like you know there's but there's songs that I'm gonna check out. But my specific thing is like I feel like I don't know what it is. It's just a lot of songs like aren't really keeping me there. Like it's like I'm kind of probably gonna listen to this the couple times I listen to this album and then keep it moving. You know what I mean? Like I I need I want more songs that are like yo I'm saving this and I'm gonna come back to it a lot. I haven't got a lot of that this year uh, outside of like Denzel Curry and Vince Staples projects, respectively. Those two, those are my top two. So we, far. You know what? We're going to have to, we're going to have to go back and talk about the Vince Staples project. Cause I'll let people, we don't have time to do it today, but I will let we, people know. I have, we, yes. We're I will let people soon. know. I really like that project. I'm still it listening. Probably to it. my favorite hip hop album this year. Um, I really, really like that project. We'll have to do, we'll dive into that another time. Um, in the coming weeks go ahead yeah uh and then we have three more for the push t album hear me clearly with nigo i had to make sure i said that correctly because you know 
Can't yeah, 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 that yeah. Don't, don't be doing uh, that. <laughs> um, you know, I like that song. Sorry. Um, a lot of writing credits on this. Jesus. Um, but I do, I do like the song. I, ha- I don't know how much I'm going back to it either. Uh, I like Open Air a good deal. And then, I, lo- I, I love that. I love yeah, that song. Open too. Air the, is like, I wish there was another verse kind of. Yo, very short, yo, but Open that, Air is. I agree with you. Very short song. Wish there was another verse. The flutes used by Pharrell on this yes. beat is just, ah, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, yes. it's so good. It's, so it's good. one of the songs I really liked. Um, and hear me clearly, I like more. I'm, I like more than I just let on. But like, I, it's not one of my favorite, favorite songs on the album. Open Air is. Open Air absolutely is. Might be my favorite song on the album. And then uh, I Pray For You featuring Labyrinth and No Malice, Pusha T's brother, which two thumbs up for me. Uh, always glad to hear them uh, collab again. I thought it was an appropriate ending to the album. I'm big on how you start and how you finish. I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was good. Favorite songs on this album, to put a bow on it, I would probably say Open Air is up there for sure. Still really like Diet Coke. And um, Brambleton, I guess. You know, those will probably be my top three. Yeah, I, I think I gave my top three. Let Smoke Shine the Coop, Call My Bluff, Open Air. Those are those are my top three. I I like Brian. Do like I pray for you. I think it's a really good song to close the album. Yes, I like the, t- the touch and the vocals from Labyrinth. For those people who watch Euphoria, you're very familiar with Labyrinth's music. It is throughout the show. He does a lot of the music stuff on there with Zendaya. So he's a really dope uh, songwriter. Uh, really good sounds. So that's good. What are you giving this album overall? Probably seven out of ten for now. Um, uh, which look, I don't want people to get like that's good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's. <laughs> I know, good. I know, I know. People are giving it shit. Even Pitchfork gave it a seven point eight out of ten. But you know, maybe it'll get to a seven and a half. I could see that. But for me, it's just like I. There are great albums that I give it eight out of ten. So I just, I just don't want people to wild out. But seven out of ten is strong. Um, I don't know how much I'm gonna like revisit it beyond this. Um, there are a bunch of songs that I like, but the and the lows aren't incredibly low or anything like that. But they're just like there's just more here that I don't care for that I than I expected. Um, I thought Daytona was tighter, I, though I wasn't even as high on that as some people were because there people neither neither it. was I. I actually funny. People were calling it a classic and shit like that, and that was getting album of the year love or whatever. What was what year was this? Twenty. Was it 18? 18 or 19? I can't remember. I think it's 2018. I think it was 18 because 18. it was before It's Nasir. 2018. It's 2018. 2018. Yeah, 2018 because it was before Nasir. Um, I don't remember what my album of the year was that. Oh, Book of Ryan, actually. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, yeah. No, for 7 out of 10. I'm fine with that. I, I, I actually like this better than Daytona. I, in a way, Daytona's tighter. And Daytona had two really, 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 really good songs. Um, that Kanye produced. I, I, I like this better. And I think a lot of it is I like it better because I like the variety. I, I like when, you know, I forgot. There's another producer who worked on this album, too. I said it was solely Kanye and Pharrell. And it wasn't. Bugs the Beast also did. He did Hear Me Clearly, the, the Nego joint. And also, just so you remember. So want to give him his credit on there. Metacritic right now uh, has an average score for this of 87 out of 100. Um, Clash gave it an 8 out of 10. Hip Hop DX has it a 3.8 out of 5. Pitchfork, as Brian said, 7.8 out of 10. Uh, Rolling Stone gave it 4 out of 5 stars. I mean, like, this, it's pretty. About right. 
pretty you know, good reviews. It's getting, you know, receiving critical acclaim according to, to Metacritic. I don't think it's quite as good as an 87 out of 10. Uh, but, you know, I think this is a good album from Push. I think Push knows what he's doing in his lane, and I like that he makes the albums tight. I don't think it's – I think maybe he understands the limitations or sort of redundancy that could come in coke rap, and he's trying to actually get delivered to you uh, as best as he could, deliver you this product as tight and concise as he could. Uh, moving along, because we got a couple of things to talk about real quick before we get out of here. Uh, you know what I'm excited for. Next Friday. <laughs> next Friday at midnight. Don't bother me. Don't call me. Don't text me. I ain't talking to nobody unless it's an emergency, right? Brian even knows, don't hit me until I'm done listening to this album. Kendrick will be back. New album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. No idea what that means. <laughs> don't, really, don't really care. Don't it'll really it'll make sense when the album comes out. I'm sure it'll make sense when the album comes out. Or it won't. It'll be terrible. But it's Kendrick, so I don't think that'll happen. Um, I'm super pumped for this. We were waiting for a long time. We were waiting five years for some new K-Dot. It's coming. It's supposed to be his last album on TDE. Uh, we'll see what he does after this. Kendrick's supposed to be at a bunch of festivals this year. So we'll see. But um, I'm really excited for this. And I'm hoping that it's really good as all his other uh, major studio releases. Um, so we'll see. I, as people know, Brian and I, we like Dan, but we both were not as high on Dan as some other people were. Um, I do not think it was as good as Tepepe Butterfly or Good Kid Mad City or even Section 80, indie, first indie release album. I don't think it's as good as that, but it was good. Um, but this, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see what Kendrick has to say, what he's going to talk about, what the concept of this album is. I'm actually hoping, I know people are going to think this is weird, but I hope within the next, what are we talking about, 10 days or so, I hope that we don't even get a single. I don't want a single. Just drop the album, Midnight, Friday. I'll be listening probably two or three times instead of going to sleep and uh, dissecting and all that stuff. And that'll be it. Are you as hyped as I am, Brian? Probably not. <laughs> probably not, but I am very hyped because I've been waiting for this for a while. I I don't count the uh, Black Panther soundtrack as a Kendrick project, though obviously he had his hands in that, and that's something that he did work on after Dam. But this is the first proper release we're getting uh, in five years. And yeah, I, I like Dan very much. I just don't think it was as good as his top three albums. And I was surprised that all the Kendrick albums to win a Pulitzer, that was the one where I would argue he has three albums better than that. That's really my only critique on that. But in terms of this album, I can't wait. I'm excited. We're going to have a guest uh, on the pod that I'm working on to, to, to come talk about that, who's a big Kendrick fan and also... Um, you know, we'll 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 lend voice to his excitement for this project. And I think it's going to deliver in a big way. I'm excited because this is something we talked about uh during the early days of the pandemic where there's certain artists that we need to hear from talk about this. I was glad that Nas dropped and talked a little bit about this um and has talked about it otherwise uh on you know at different parts of King's Disease, though the themes were a little bit different, but we've, we we need certain artists to speak about these times and I think Kendrick's Kendrick is going to lend voice to that, an important one too. Yeah, I'm just intrigued with everything with the sound. And yes, Brian and I are working on getting a guest and we hope that that episode will be very heavily focused on on that. So you know ho- hopefully um we're able to do that. We think that'll that'll be uh, a f- a fun one. 
Um, wow, somebody somebody offers a, a question here, but I'll take it because uh, it's different than our topic. Who do you think are the five best European players in the NBA in the last five years? Wow, that's, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, in no particular order. Those two are the first two that I think about. Um, in the last five years, Luka Doncic, I agree. Jokic. Um, Am I going to have to say Rudy Gobert? <laughs> probably. You probably are. Rudy. I guess then you're probably looking at like a Boyan Bogdanovich. Oh, Giannis. Duh. Giannis. Oh, sorry. Yes. How are we not going to say Giannis? Yes. Obviously. Rudy Giannis, Gobert. Is yeah. Probably, Giannis yeah. or Rudy Gobert. I'm, I just yeah, okay. no way. That okay. That Giannis one. Jokic two. Go, uh, Luka three. Go, Luka three on any list is nuts. Gobert four, I guess. And then, and then from I, there, I don't know. Can I slide Joel Embiid in there? Because I'm writing about this for basketball news. Well, he's not European. So well, no, but he, slide him in there. he wants to be uh he wants to play for the French national team and is trying to make himself like a French no. citizen or whatever. Why? Why is he doing this? No, no. I, I think it's because he probably wants to win a gold medal, and honestly, Cameroon is just not gonna have that opportunity. Look, no, but no, yo, it sucks because no, F it the sucks. colonizers. F the colonizers. I agree. Look, I it sucks because I actually think if Joel Embiid and Pascal Siakam, and if he's still playing Luka Shard and Baamute, were to play for Cameroon, yes, you could be one of the five best teams in the Africas and then qualify for the World Cup and potentially qualify for the Olympics after that. The World Cup is more important than the Olympics because more countries play, at least in my opinion. Basketball, they're I, trying I, to... Soccer, it's, it's not even close. Basketball, they're trying to make right. the World Cup matter more, and I think that they're actually doing a decent job with that. So we'll see in 2023. But I don't, I don't, like, that. I don't, like, that, I don't like that Joel and B. Like, he's going to play for France, so it's going to be like him, him and Rudy Gobert are going to be the safe starting lineup. And it's like, I, I don't know. This isn't like Hakeem Olajuwon playing for Team USA to me because Hakeem, like, went to college here. And like, you know, yeah, I look at that a little differently. Yeah, like, so him and it's a different for- time, and it was a different time, but yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I like that. I don't know who we're putting at five. Like I said, maybe we now you're talking about Boyan Bogdanovich, maybe. Nah, the, uh, we have no, nah, no, nah, there has to be something else here, and I want to get to boxing, so I don't want to spend too yeah, much time. Yeah, because we gotta do that, and then I, I gotta get out of here because I have to, uh, unfortunately, I forgot to cook my daughter's lunch, uh, with her school stuff today, so I gotta go give it, give it to her. I can't think of a fifth one. You think a fifth one will go, but we're going to move on quickly to boxing. Okay, here we go. Final list for me. This is, okay. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is definitely not not in this top five. No. Nikola Vucevic, I would probably put Boyan ahead of him at this point. I would, yep. Evan Fortier. I'd put Boyan ahead of him. Yeah, I think it's Bogdan Bogdanovich maybe, or Boyan. One of those two, on, uh, depending on how you feel about the Montes Sabonis. I think... He's Lithuanian. If yeah, I had yeah. to, I mean, if it was talent, but he doesn't play enough, Porzingis has to be there. But oh. he just hasn't been on the court enough. I put Sabonis ahead. So that, so, so Sabonis five. Can't believe we did this, but shout out to the commenter. No, I appreciate the question from the commenter. We appreciate you. Five is um Demontis Sabonis. Four, Rudy Gobert. I could flip those two, but I'm not going to. Uh, Luka Doncic three, two Nikola Jokic, and one Giannis. There you go. 
those are the five best European players in basketball right now. We got some damn good European players in the game right yeah, now. Yeah, there are a lot of good more coming in this draft, by the way. But we could talk right, and like four, four of those players. guys. Four, well, actually, all five of the guys you just mentioned have all at least made an All Star team, and some are multiple All Stars. So no, no doubt. Good, good question. Thank, thank you, thank you for the question. We we appreciate that. That was a, that was a really good one. All right, we're gonna move on to boxing real quick, and then we are going to wrap here. Um, Boxing history at MSG, Katie Taylor and Amanda, Amanda Serrano, first ever women's fight to headline a card and then sell out at MSG. Folks, it's a big thing that they were headlining the card, but then to not only headline the card and then sell out MSG, props, props to ladies. And here's what I think was even better. Now, I did not watch this, so I'm going to like really just lob this up to Brian. I did not watch this. By all accounts, this was a dope ass fight, and it was really close. Uh, it did not go the way of uh, Brian's Puerto Rican sister Amanda Serrano. Should have, should have. <laughs> it was really close. Heard it could go the other way. Brian, uh, I'm I'm going to still wa- rewatch this fight because I have not done it. But Brian, you th- this was obviously a historic night at MSG, a historic night for women's boxing. Um, what, what did you think about this? And what do you think? I guess the bigger thing is I want you to talk about what you think about it, but also what you think it means for women's boxing going forward, right? Because we have these moments and events, but it's about, yo, okay, how is this pushing the sport forward, especially for the ladies on this side? I did just write about this on Latino Rebels also. So Ring Magazine is actually in their 100th year of existing. They established themselves in 1922. And the reason why I bring that up is because they've given out awards for a hundred years. So fight of the year being one of them, women have never won fight of the year in ring magazine. I think this one has a chance to actually do it. Now they're already talking about a rematch. They're already talking about making it three minute rounds instead of two. That's significant because for people who don't know men's championship boxing, when you're fighting for a world title, it's 12 rounds it's three minutes each women. It's 10 rounds It's two minutes each, obviously unfair, similar to how in tennis, Women, best two out of three sets. Men, best three out of five. In the NBA, 12-minute um, quarters, four quarters, and the women is 10 by four, the same way it is internationally, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> not fully all the way equal as they should be. I would like to see this again with three-minute rounds, but in terms of the fight itself, I thought it was excellent. Um, Katie Taylor came out and Katie Taylor, just some more background on the two women so that people know Katie Taylor is an undisputed lightweight champion, Olympic gold medalist in 2012, um, who did not win again in 2016, but turned pro in 2016 after failing to win another medal. But, you know, she's still awesome. Um, less than a year into her pro career and about seven fights or so, she became lightweight champion shortly thereafter, unified titles, and now undisputed. She's had all four titles at lightweight, 135 pounds for a while. She's actually a couple of years older than Amanda Serrano, who's a lot more experienced because she's she turned pro a lot sooner and didn't have that long of an amateur career by comparison. But going into this fight, it was great. I've been looking forward to this for like, I don't know, five, four years or something like that since it, since it was first rumored, and they have been talking about this for a while. Amanda Serrano has the record for most world championships in different weight classes for a woman. She has something like nine world titles in seven different weight classes moving up between like super flyweight and junior welterweight. So that's a big weight disparity. You're talking about from the one teens to like 140 pounds, lightweight to 135. Amanda Serrano actually currently is an undisputed or unified featherweight champion at 126 pounds. So moving up 
nine pounds to challenge Katie Taylor. And I thought she did great. First round, Katie Taylor came out, was counterpunching effectively. Amanda Serrano took the fight over rounds two through six, in my opinion. In round five, you could score that a 10-8 round. I did because Amanda Serrano basically had Katie Taylor out on her feet, was rocking her from freaking pillar to post, as people would say, outlanded her 44 to 14 punches, and then ran out of gas a little bit. Katie Taylor picked back up in round seven, eight, and nine. And then round 10, you could argue, is the round of the year because of how they went back and forth, and it was great. So I suggest everybody watch this fight. Um, I hope, hope, hoping they have a rematch because it is well-deserved. Uh, I don't want to see it in Ireland because then Amanda Serrano is going to need a knockout to win, and I don't want her to need a knockout to win. Um, <laughs> but I, I scored at 96-93 for Amanda Serrano uh, because of the 10-8 round. Uh, the scorecards were like 96-94 and 96-93 for Taylor, and then Amanda Serrano got a 96-94. And then all the Irish people on Twitter were like, how could so many Americans think Amanda Serrano won? What fight were you watching? Because they apparently think that because their woman won, that they're so sophisticated in thinking that Katie Taylor won just because she counterpunched a little bit better, even though she was getting rocked a lot, because we should actually put an emphasis on not just punches landed, but the impact of said punches that landed. But that's another story for another day. Amanda Serrano, still badass, still future Hall of Famer, 42-2. and two. With, Absolutely. I don't even remember how many knockouts, but it's 30 something. And Katie Taylor's still undefeated, 21 and 0, with about six knockouts or so. So, look, great fight all around. Fight of the year, in my opinion, so far. And it's going to be tough to not make it stay that way, even though we do have some damn good fights coming up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I hope they do get the fight of the year. Real quick, moving through some other stuff, keeping it to boxing. If you did not see this, <laughs> Nico Ali Walsh. Ooh, I don't remember the name Muhammad of the dude. Muhammad Ali's grandson. Muhammad Ali's grandson. And Brian and I have watched his first. I was like, he's fourth. This is his fifth fight. I probably, I think I watched his. He's been showcased on, on uh, ESPN yeah, a couple of different times. His time. third and fourth fights to watch. And I'll be honest, was not impressed. I was not impressed uh, at yeah, he all. Got, he him. got rocked a little more than you'd want to prospect. Then you'd want, yeah, yeah, you got rocked a little bit more. But I mean, we said he had some work to do, but I was impressed with this. This man, I remember the guy he knocked out. It doesn't matter. He put somebody to sleep, straight sleep mode, put him to sleep. Dude went down, looked like Pacquiao when he got hit in that sleep mode a couple years back. And it was really impressive. So if you have not seen that, go check that out. Like, it's definitely a knockout worth watching. It's not fight of the year, but it might be knockout of the year. I'll say that much. It might be knockout of the year. That, that, that's for sure. And real uh, quick, I yes. also want to point out Shakur Stevenson counterpunched Oscar Valdez to death like I expected. Yep. Um, and Shakur Stevenson also, for people who don't know, is part Puerto Rican from his dad's side of the family. Yeah, you had to make sure he, you got that in. On his trunks, he had an American flag on one side, had the Puerto Rican flag on the other side. And I was like, let's fucking go. Shakur Stevenson is repping. So we actually have four current world champions go. in boxing Here right now. We Amanda go. Serrano, Shakur Stevenson, Mick Williams, Arroyo, and Jonathan Gonzalez. So we need more, but Shakur Stevenson was rapping. And you, don't got, you don't got enough? You don't got enough? Shakur Stevenson, no, we don't. Shakur Stevenson is, I don't want to do the, hy- the hyperbole shit. Probably oh, in, in, terms of, in terms of style and in terms of just pure dominance this early in his career, the closest thing I've seen to like young, pretty boy Floyd Mayweather. Oh. Well, I mean, he's a, he's a very he's a really good defensive fighter. I, I I didn't know where you were going with that, but I'm like, I don't think that's crazy. 
I don't. Like, he's like 23, 24 years old. He he's he's go. He's already so good. Like he pound for pound level. Like but he and Oscar Valdez is a damn good fighter that he's yeah. just tormented. Yeah. You know? All right. I gotta I gotta go drop off this food <laughs> for my daughter. Before we go, I want to make a note. Shout out to the WNBA because the WNBA mm-hmm. they always they always get this stuff right. We talked on this podcast about what's been going on. Brittany Griner detained in Russia. The WNBA has decided they are going to honor Brittany Griner uh, all season long, having a season tribute to her. They're going to have a floor decal, which will be used by all 12 teams, uh, that'll have the All-Stars initials with her number 42 um, ahead of the start of the season, which starts this Friday. Uh, as we know, Brittany Griner, she's been detained in Russia since February after custom officials reportedly found vape cartridges containing hashish oil in her luggage. Um, now, there's been some updates on that saying that Brittany Griner, they think there will be a resolution to this soon. Um, so hopefully that happens. But salute to the WNBA. Really nice job. Great touch to honor Brittany Griner uh, there. And I think that, you know, hopefully she's able to come home soon and rejoin her team, the Mercury, and then start playing again. Everything is okay with her because my heart definitely goes out to her friends and families through this whole process, trying to know if she's okay and what's right with her. So we hope that gets done. But WNBA, as usual, on top of it, <laughs> yeah. On top of it, in 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 doing in doing the right thing, uh, there hope, for sure. Hope that Brittany Griner returns home safely. Um, still upsetting that that happened, and also people should support the WNBA because their season starts this week, Friday this week, Friday. Friday. So on Friday, WNBA season kicks watch off. Watch the games, tweet about it. You know what I mean. The league has been progressing at a nice rate yep. and and um, growing at a nice rate. Yeah, and it's every single year, like, definitely, I mean, and the games are great. You know what I mean? The games are great, so. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely going to definitely gonna talk about that. All right, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Please continue to support us in all the ways that you can. Follow us at AHTT Podcast, uh, and you can listen to us. You catch us on YouTube, all digital streaming platforms. There, support us on Patreon as well. He is Brian Fonseca. I'm yes, Jeff Henry. Next couple of weeks, we should have some guests for you, some really good stuff. Uh, you know we'll be breaking down that Kendrick album after it drops. Can't wait to do that. As well as talking about some other things in hip-hop and the world of sports. Like I said, he's Brian Fonseca. I am Dexter Henry. And until next time, y'all, peace. <laughs>